everybody. Welcome to the porch tonight. We're so happy that you could join us and we have a treat. We have Arenka joining us from Tennessee. Arenka, would you care to tell everybody hi and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, it's kind of cool. I like this porch. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so my name is Irinka, like you said, and I'm actually originally from, from Belgium. I grew up in Belgium. So I grew up with like a lot of different musical influences, very different from the South of the United States. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, I was like uh, classically trained mainly because that's music education that was provided over there. And um, really, I just enjoyed writing poetry as a child, you know, and I, I was classically trained on the piano. And then I thought, well, you know, what am I going to do with this poetry and classical piano playing? I was like, well, maybe I could combine the two and start actually writing songs, you know, which sounds a bit of a better avenue than, you know, writing poetry books, which I mean, now they're getting back into in, in vogue, right? But when I was growing up, that was like a, a lost art kind of thing, you know, uh, poetry was. So yeah, I kind of like slowly migrated towards songwriting. And I just want, always wanted to be a, an artist growing up. But where I was at in Belgium, like there was just no avenue for that, you know, what I'm saying like I was in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't yeah. know person in the music industry I feel like a lot of people feel that way you know where you're just like in a small town and you don't know anybody in that field and you're like well how do you get to where these big artists are like how where are dropping stones you know what I'm saying and so I just decided I wanted to go to a place where I could learn from people who were in that world first I did two years in in England to kind of learn how to produce music like I did two years of like audio engineering production that kind of stuff oh great yeah because <laughs> yeah, I I know that a lot of people like they learned that in the garage you know growing up like you know in their bedroom or whatever but I was not that tech savvy <laughs> when it comes to audio production so I I just wanted to like kind of like take a fast track. Does that make sense? Like somebody tell me what buttons to press and how to do it. <laughs> and back then, you know, YouTube wasn't as big as it is now. Yes. Starting out. So now you can just have a how-to for anything. But at the time, it wasn't like all these online courses and classes and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I was kind of at a, at a loss there. And um, after that, I just wanted to make the big jump and come and learn, you know, in the United States. And obviously I thought of LA and New York, you know, saying like, that's the first names that come to your mind when you think music city type places. But then I looked at my uh, savings account and it kind of told me that <laughs> you know, I was dreaming a little too big. So I, I Googled like most affordable city in the United States, um, like a big city, you know, and Indianapolis came in first. And I was like, Indianapolis, I'm not sure they have too much. Like, I've never heard of Indianapolis having a big music no, scene. No, just cars. <laughs> right. You know, so I zoomed out. I mean, first, like in Europe, you don't hear about those cities at all. Like you don't in Belgium, you don't hear about Indianapolis at all. You know, right. so I didn't know anything about like the Midwest or none, you know, or even the South. Like I didn't know any any of those places. Um, but I zoomed out and I, and I looked, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Nashville's not too far. So I think like the cost of living might be comparable, you know, to Indianapolis. And I heard that they have also like big studios. Like, you know, when I was in England, obviously I learned more about the country music and that kind of stuff, you know. Right. And Shania Twain recording here. And I was like, well, I guess I could start there. And and then, you know, make my way to L.A. or New York once I've established myself, because coming straight from a one way ticket you know, with two suitcases, you know, New York or L.A. might be a little abrupt. So I thought maybe figuring out car and accommodation, like figuring out my life here and settling in a little bit before moving to another city. I thought that would be the way to go. But uh, here I am still uh, nine years later. I'm still in Nashville. So. <laughs> That's how I ended up here. I mean, you know, you've got two suitcases and a can-do attitude. You know, welcome to the South. We're glad you stayed. <laughs> Thank you. It was definitely uh, definitely a bit of a culture shock, I'll tell you that, because I knew nothing about Southern culture at all. You know, like, I think in England, you, you hear more about country music and that kind of stuff. But in Belgium, like... I didn't even know. I got here. I didn't even know who Reba McIntyre was. Okay. People were like, you didn't know who Reba McIntyre is? And, oh, gosh, yeah. No. And I was like, no, who's that? You know, like just a total freaking. <laughs> so here's the real test. Did you know Dolly? I did, actually. I love okay. Dolly Parton. I listened to some of her. Uh, I don't know how, you know, it was at the time where. When I was a teenager, it was a lot of MP3 trading. I'm not really proud that, you know, I participated in destroying my own industry. 
but that's what it was, right? So I, I did end up with some songs of hers, and I, I love her song, like Coat of Many Colors, because I could really. Oh my really, gosh, yes. I could relate to that so much, you know, growing up and not having a lot of means. And I did go to like a fancy school where the kids were like wearing branded clothes and they would make fun of me because I didn't have branded clothes. So I could really relate to that story of, because like my mom would also like make me clothes and I kind of looked stupid a little bit. <laughs> like I definitely <laughs> looked like I didn't fit in, you know, but I didn't understand why that would be a reason to reject me or, or make fun of me. So I, I love Dolly's like themes like she just has some very unusual stories and messages in her songs you know yeah especially like Jolene like you know it's a popular song but if you stop and listen to the words it's like wow you're asking this woman like nicely because like nowadays any hip artist be like you know the the b word you know and be like get your hand in you know (laughs) it would not be as nice of like oh please I understand that you're so much prettier than me but you know just you know please don't take me just because you can and I, I was just like wow such a interesting humble way of putting it you know mm-hmm. so, well, and what's funny is you know seeing her you know play that I mean and she's played that all over the world and you look at her now and you think dag on what in the world was Jolene if if she was saying right. please don't <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. But she's so real. You know what I'm saying? I just love Mm -hmm. real music or or songs that come from a real place and you can feel it in her music. So um, I definitely had I I just didn't know. See, like we have like more old school country that we listen to because from era, you know what I'm saying? But like all this new country, like Garth Brooks is nobody in Brussels. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody knows Garth Brooks. Nobody knows Keith Urban. Like those just people are not known where I grew up. It's so interesting. Like, you know, how you can be such a big thing in one place in the world and then a total nobody, you know, somewhere else, you know what I'm saying? So, and that's good because those people, at least they get anonymity, you know what I'm saying? If they want to go exactly. shopping and nobody bothering them, go shop in Brussels, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody will, I mean, you're going to look a little weird with your cowboy boots and your, and your cowboy hat on. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is like, you know, you walk around like that in Europe, like everybody's going to look like you're dressed for like carnival or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like nobody walks around uh, with that attire over there, you know, so that's also interesting, like, you know, dress codes and, and that sort of stuff, which I, you know, I came with my two suitcases full of European clothes. I don't know if my face looks different, but people would be like, you're not from here. And I wonder if it's like sometimes my clothes, you know, because <laughs> I still wear the same clothes from France and Belgium and where I grew up. So I think more often than not, it comes down to the shoes. As silly as that sounds, we we do love our tennis shoes and our boots out here. And uh, anything other than that, it's just like, oh, those are adorable. Where are you from? <laughs> Yeah, I never understood that. I'm not a shoe person. Like, I probably own less shoes than my roommate, who's a guy. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that that much, to be honest. That, that blows my mind that people can, like one time this one person told me, you know, that they can tell somebody's personality by looking at their shoes. I thought that was the most curious thing ever. And then I thought that was so weird that I thought everybody else would think it's weird. But then a bunch of people agreed. And I'm like, wow, I'm surrounded by weird people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I hope that they never meet me. I've got a pair of tennis shoes. I've got my brown boots and my black boots. And that and those are just little ankle boots. You know, it's not like, you know, I've got big cowboy boots running around. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's all I need. <laughs> Right. This new generation of like these, you know, younger artists that are like wearing dresses with sneakers, you know what I'm saying? Like I used to do that. And I got so much hate for it. You know what I'm saying? Like two decades ago. Yes, <laughs> I remember. And I'm like, people, I started this trend. Like now it's cool. Oh, now it's cool. Well, y'all are like, you know, catching up with me finally. <laughs> Yeah, we were dressing up like Blossom in high school and everybody's just like, what in the world did you just pull out of your closet? And now, now it's adorable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like they would be like, everybody would be like, those things don't go together. I'm like, well, watch me change the fashion. (laughs) 
Plus and take pictures. Now, with so many people being in lockdown and us spending so much time alone and so forth, there's been so much more music and creativity work done on social media. And I found you on Twitter, but I know that you put your concerts and a bunch of your work up on YouTube. Would you tell everybody about that? Everybody, when our interview is over, I'm going to have up links and everything so that you can find all of her work and, you know, it'll take you straight to it. And you're getting ready to do a concert here in a little bit. We'll be airing after, but you've got a Valentine's Day concert coming up too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely because I sing in French and English and that really fits the vibe. I mean, a lot of people associate French with, you know, romantic. (laughs) I agree. I miss romantic boyfriends. (laughs) My French boyfriends, I mean. I used to date a French guy, so I can see how that image, the reputation of being a romantic makes sense to me. Being part of that culture. But yeah, I like to do... I mean, I have my own music that I do, you know what I'm saying? But I, I have like different facets to me. Like one of them is is my own music and the messages that I want to put into the world that are like about self-growth and, and realization and, you know, talking about complicated feelings and that sort of stuff. But then I also enjoy the multicultural aspect of, of my upbringing, you know what I'm saying? And sharing that with the world as well, especially in a country like United States, that you, you're not as open to music from around the world and artists around the world. As a small country like Belgium, we import a lot from other countries, you know? Mm-hmm. Growing up, I would hear music uh, in Italian and Spanish and French and English, sometimes even German or like even Russian that's more, more unusual or Portuguese or whatever and then you know Japanese animes and listening to Japanese music and then Arabic music and, and all sorts of things you know and that was just normal to listen to music in different languages and coming here is very monolingual you know and so I think that's a great thing that I bring to this place as well is being able to share some of my culture you know what I'm saying and, and opening people oh, yeah. up to different music from around the world and different cultures so I enjoy doing that as well. And and so throughout the year, I do a few of those events, like for Bastille Day, that's like 14th of July. That's like an all French concert. And then around Christmas time, I do carols in four languages. So Czech, Spanish, French, and English. And then Valentine's Day, like a mix of French and English songs, romantic love songs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have a few concerts that I do throughout the year and try to alternate, you know, between formats that I do, you know, so it's not the same thing. <laughs> And yeah, in January I did, that was really stressful. I did like a concert I've never done before live. It was like classical music, very challenging, but it was just kind of like, well, you know, here, you want to watch me mess up a bunch of classical pieces? <laughs> I think, you know, also celebrating the fact that we're not perfect. You know, I'm not a virtuoso piano player, you know what I'm saying? So owning it and just being willing to share where you are at. And for the enjoyment of people, like it, for me, this online stuff is really bringing people together, creating events, you know, where people get to mm-hmm. interact, comment, kind of like what you do with your chat rooms, you know what I'm saying, is creating some sort of social interaction. Um, and I know a lot of my fans are single, alone, and don't have a lot of things going on, you know what I'm saying, and they feel very isolated. So bringing, like creating a sense of community. Exactly. And encouraging people to participate, you know, reading their comments and reacting to it. Like that's just such an important part of human life is the human interactions that we have with each other, you know. And so I love doing that, you know, saying I love uh, talking to my fans one on one type thing, you know, or reading them and answering them, chatting together and and just creating a a family of, of people that, you know, have some common interest and that sort of stuff. I've loved to see just how much the the industry itself has bloomed during lockdown because we've got musicians like you all. It's reminding everybody that we are human and the work that you all are doing, it really does sort of just mortar everybody together. It reminds everybody that we're all people. It gives people something to together around. It's sort of like, you know, like gathering around a fire, as it were. Everybody's alone, but we're not really alone when we've got that to look forward to and to talk to each other about. So it's such a benefit to everybody right now. And it's, you know, such a morale booster. Yeah, I think of it as like, I'm not really playing music. I'm not really like, you know, you think it's music, but to me, it's it's an experience. 
I'm providing, mm-hmm. I'm creating a place where people get to feel something. I, I, my job is to make them feel something, anything, you know, it, you know, some songs make you sad. Some songs make you happy. Some songs make you want to jump on your feet and dance. Some songs make you be a little sassy or whatever. I'm creating mood. I mean, whichever way I want to do it. That's why I think of myself more as an artist than as a musician. I'm just creating an atmosphere, you know, and I can do that with music. I can add visuals. I can add jokes. I can add, you know, stories. I, I, can, I can add whatever I can use in my palette, create that experience and have people feel good at the end of the day, feel less alone, feel understood, feel like somebody cares, you know, like, you know, all of those things that we need as human beings. And that's why like one of my slogans or messages is music heals the soul from invisible wounds, because we all put so much effort into our bodies and physical health and all that stuff. But like as human beings, especially in 21st uh, century, I feel like there's so much more emphasis on the mental well-being and that sort of stuff and emotional well-being. And we're starting to really realize how important our emotional needs and mental needs are, in addition to, obviously, our physical needs. So we have doctors and all that stuff to take care of our physical bodies, but feel like, you know, these big artists or whatever, we need strong guidance for mental and emotional growth and well-being as well. And that's, I think, the role of, of artists. That's why I chose this path. As hard as it is, I think there is a, a, a huge need for it. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And that was one of the things that struck me when I actually found your website itself is I'm used to going to music websites and I'll see album covers and fun artwork. And you've got this um this experience. But when I went over to yours, it was so immersive. That was one of the first things, you know, because normally I kind of multitask. And when I went on to yours, I just sort of stopped and I was like, this is so totally interesting. There's just layers of stuff to discover on here. And I hadn't even gone all the way into it yet. That was just the beginning. I was like, okay, this is different. This is definitely something interesting going on. Um, What, what all... So happy to hear that. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm just like so gittery right now. <laughs> I mean, and it was like, you know, two in the morning. No, because I mean, you know, when you put an intention into something and to see that the people that your intention came through, you know, saying that's the best thing, right? The best feeling in the world where like, oh, I succeeded in what I was trying to achieve, you know? So I'm like, yeah. Oh, say that. I'm so, yeah. What were you going to ask me? Like, go ahead. I just wanted to react to that. <laughs> oh, oh no. Now I'm grinning like an idiot too. Cause I was just like, oh, I know that feeling. Cause you know, you put all this work into something and you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't want this to just be my little secret. And then somebody says, oh, that's really good. And you're like, oh, yay. And you know what it's supposed to be. And you know, like the subtext and so forth, but it's so totally different when somebody else says, oh, I got that. And that was funny or touching or whatever you were trying to get across that confirmation that they got it is like you tell a good joke and people actually laugh you know and you're like i succeeded in telling my joke right no i'm really happy to hear you say that that really makes my day Well, I'm very glad and thank you for making it because, I, like I said, it was like two in the morning and I was looking at it. And I was just like, oh, this is good. I have got to meet this lady. Now, we are on radio, so nobody can see what it is that I saw. I'm going to send people towards your site, but would you care to tell them a little bit about it? Because I know that you've got updates that people can sign up for and you've got um, videos and, you know, there's all sorts of little delicious bits on there. Well, thank you. Um, just a quick question, I just changed the the homepage recently. Did you? Because uh, I was promoting my Dreamland video. Did you? When you went on it, was it the the blue cover or was it with the with the one with the swan? It was the one with the swan, the black swan. Yeah, yeah cool. Okay, mm-hmm. so you, yeah, because I sometimes you know when you're promoting something, you change the homepage, you know, to direct people to that. But that's right. like went to the original version, like that's the the standard, the default is is, is <laughs> swan because my website is black swan world, right? And that's why you know I named it that because it's not about me. I feel like a lot of artists' website are about themselves, you know, like oh look at me and here is me as an artist and here's my bio and, oh, and and for me that's not what I'm trying to create. Like I think for me it's more like us, our world, you know, like the black swan world is is my world, but it's also my fans' world or whoever wants to enjoy it. It's like a world that I want to create. I'm creating a world for people to enjoy. Does that make sense? Well, it's perfect. It's 
um, it's the world that you're sharing with everybody and you're the host. You're bringing them in to the aforementioned world. Yeah, kind of like you with your porch, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. When you get all the way into the house, you realize that, oh yeah, it gets a little crazy in the house itself. That's where we have the parties, but the porch itself is, you know, a nice place to sit down and meet and talk to everybody. It's a communal place, right? It's a, it's exactly. A place, right? So that's what I want to do with my website is I want it to be a, a communal place. And obviously I want it to go by my values. Like there's a lot of things that I am trying to, the world that I want to create around me is like a world that is free of, of judgment, you know, first of all, because pe- people judge each other so harshly, you know, yes, a world where people listen to each other. So listening starts with not judging, you know, you can't truly listen if you're too busy judging or deciding to put person in a box, you're not actually listening to what they're saying. So just learning how to listen to each other, um, listen, learn how to hold space for each other, be there for each other, you know, because that, that's going to create for me a world where we're more connected and feel less alone, you know, and so many people, they have so many friends or Facebook friends or whatever, but when you really talk to them, like they feel so alone, you know, and I mean, they feel lonely, but they're not alone. Does that make sense? Yeah, being lonely in a crowd because they've got they they're surrounded by acquaintances, but they don't actually have friends. Exactly, and so and then just just the idea of like you know learning how to be vulnerable, how to be able to open up to each other, you know, and that that comes with creating that safe space where people can talk about hard things and and be heard and be understood you know, and then also um, supported in that, you mm-hmm. know, and em- empathized with, or how do you say in English, you know, c- compassion. Oh, that's perfect. Uh-huh. And, and those are the things that I'm trying to, to teach to people because I just realized a lot of people want that, but they're not themselves able to create it for another person. So how can you want something that you're not able to do yourself? others. Exactly. So you can't point at a person and say, well, I feel judged, but then you're judging them. You know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to create the world that I wish we had. Just like anybody else. I think, you know, we all aspire the world to be a a better place. And so my definition of it, you know, of that, and then putting the, the art into it. But it's like, you can find my bio on my website, but I don't want the website to just land on my face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's not really about me. It's about the world that I want us to feel. I think people would be happier in that kind of world. You know, that's just my own, yeah, uh, my own opinion. And I, I just hope that I can create it with the influence that I have, you know, it's just like around myself. And so the Black Swan world, it has three layers, the the name. I don't know if I'm talking too much right now, but... <laughs> no, you're perfect. Yeah, I think the, the, uh, the Black Swan world comes from like three different layers of meanings. The number one was, you know, the story of the ugly duckling. Uh-huh. So the ugly duckling uh, turned out to be actually a beautiful swan, right? So the basic story is he never was ugly or a duckling in the first place. The only reason why he was called an ugly duckling is because people thought he was supposed to be a duck when he never was meant to be a duck, right? Yes. <laughs> and so it's funny that you call him ugly duckling when that's not his definition, is that actual definition is beautiful swan, right? I mean, the story could have been called beautiful swan, but it was not called that. It was called what, you know, the animals or whatever the, around him, you know, they, they called him that because in their eyes, they couldn't see what he was. So he was really born in the wrong place and surrounded by the wrong people. And I feel that, I mean, sometimes people are lucky enough, you know, that they grew up in in the right place with the right people that can see them for who they are. But I find so many people along my journey, my life journey, don't have that, you know what I'm saying, who are born and they cannot find themselves because the image that is reflected to them of who they're supposed to be now doesn't match with who they are. Try to fit in in this environment that you were born in really your journey in life is travel and find your actual people, find the people who will actually see you, you truly see you and truly understand your value. And it's unfortunate because you wish that your immediate family or your immediate, you know, the people who you grew up with, that they could see that. But sometimes it's not the case. And sometimes you have to travel halfway around the world to find that of people who finally see you and relate to you and value you. Yes, that is. I'm sorry. I was sitting here. I was shaking my head yes that is exactly exactly what happens and um 
I love that description. Thank you. So relating to the ugly duckling thing, well, yeah, he turned into like a beautiful white swan, whatever. He finally found where he belonged and, you know, story, happy ending, whatever. But I thought, you know, it makes him very different from all the other swans. Like that makes him a different swan than a swan that grew up in a swan family, never been forced to fit into an image that was not them, you know, saying, and um, that makes you a very different, you have a very different life experience growing up in an environment that rejects you um, versus, I mean, I want to say regular swan, but you know what I mean, right? Oh, no, I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I turned him into a black swan because I thought he was carrying a lot of darkness in his heart, having had that experience early on in life, you know, of being completely shunned by his own, I want to say, quote unquote, family, because it, clearly it wasn't his <laughs> real family. <laughs> Exactly. He he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And he was like so many people was, you know, surrounded by the judgment and the pigeonholing instead of being able to just be himself and discover, you know, exactly who he was. But he truly see that the the tragedy of that is he truly believed that to the point where he wanted to die. It was Mm -hmm. like the world hates me. Clearly, I can't do anything right. Everybody's making fun of me. My life is hell. I don't belong here. Somebody kill me. You know, like he actually went, I think in the story, he went to be killed by those beautiful birds because he didn't see his reflection, right? He didn't know he was a swan at that point. Like I think he was like trying to, yeah, he was kind of suicidal at that point, you know? Yeah. And, and he wanted to be killed by those, but he was like, you know, if I have to die, well, let me, let me die being killed by these beautiful creatures. And then he went into the water to swim towards them. And then as he looked into the water, he saw in his own reflection and he was like, oh my God, I'm one of them. That's crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he swam and they welcomed him. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. That's the other way around. He swam towards them. And instead of hitting him or killing him, they actually welcomed him. Like I was, he was completely welcomed. And he he was like, wait a minute, this is weird. Like what's happening? And then, yeah. he looked, then he looked into the water and he saw that he was actually looked like them and he was shocked. But that's what it's supposed to feel like when you find your people, like you feel welcomed and it's like, wow, this is a feeling I've been looking after, you know, looking for all my life. So I think, you know, I think that makes him a very different swan than all these other swans. They didn't have that experience. And then the other level is like when I read research black swan i found the black swan theory uh in economics of nicholas Taleb, and that one is about like the theory of black swan events i don't know if you've heard of those but, okay it sounds familiar but not enough for me to free recall the story uh would you tell us about that uh, sure i'm gonna read off of wikipedia <laughs> okay <laughs> Never how to say it, but so the black swan theory of or theory of black swan events is a metaphor that describes an event that comes as a surprise, has a major effect, as and is often inappropriately rationalized after the fact with the benefit of hindsight. So I don't know if that, okay. any of that but I can I can explain better. It's like so at the time, uh, like in medieval times, I want to say like 15th century or something like that, they had no idea that black swans existed because black swans actually um, are from Australia, right? Like from uh, the Southern Hemisphere somewhere. And so in the Western world here in, in Europe or wherever, the only birds that they saw were white swans. So they had no no idea that black swans existed. And so, you know, the expression where you say, oh, yeah, that's going to happen when like pigs fly, right? Right. Or, in uh-huh. French, they say when chicken will have teeth or something. Mm-hmm. So they actually used to have an expression in medieval times that said, you know, this is just as probable as a black swan. And black swan was something that they would use like pigs flying because it was like an impossible thing. Right. OK. Uh-huh. It turns out that that expression had to be kind of like thrown <laughs> thrown. <laughs> when they actually found black soil like oh shit we can't use that for something improbable because actually it exists right so they turn out to be a stupid expression right because <laughs> imagine now you have pigs flying you'd be like oh well damn we got to find something else to say right <laughs> um and so, so that's why it says is the black swan theory is like you think something cannot happen, but then it happens and has this major effect. And then you think after the fact, because after the fact that they found out the black swans, everybody was like, oh, well, duh, I guess we should have known that there would be black swans because there were white swans. So why would black swans exist? Like people try to rationalize it afterwards that they shouldn't have thought. But in reality, there was no indication that black swans existed. So they had no clue. But after mm-hmm. the fact, they thought that they should have guessed. You know what I'm saying? 
because yeah, just that I should have known, but uh, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, right? You know, yeah. you think you could have figured it out when you had absolutely not enough data to come to that conclusion. And so that's the black swan events or whatever, like, for instance, they're like wars or the the advent of computers or big discoveries or even Facebook or whatever. They're called black swans because people can think, oh, well, we should have seen this coming. But in reality, you can't really predict a war. You can't really predict a discovery. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think of us people as we're all mini black swans because we have so much potential. Nobody can see that coming. Like nobody can say someone, somebody's five years old that they're going to do this with their life or discover this. So we have so much potential and we can have all a major effect on the world around us and all the people around us. We have all the power to change the world in our own way, you know? But it's not predictable. Sometimes people will, like they treat you like you can amount to nothing. And it's not true. Perfect. Perfect. And the third layer, and you can edit this out and trim it as you want. (laughs) No, I honestly, I love this. And the amount of excitement and enthusiasm that you have in describing this and in talking about the human condition, I am absolutely loving this. I'm sitting here. I wish it was on video so that you could actually see me moving my head. Um, So, yeah, you keep going. This is beautiful. And as impressed as I was with the website before, hearing, actually hearing this, it's even better. I mean, this is so, yes, keep going. The third layer of it is is obviously the Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky and the Black Swan uh, movie and all that stuff. Like a lot of people associate now Black Swan with the movie with um, Natalie Portman. Uh Have you seen it? Um, I haven't seen it, but I do know that it exists and it is on the list of the ones I want to watch. Okay, cool. The ballet, you know, it's about this white swan, this black swan, and black swan being like the cursed one, like the a metaphor for all your, you know, the bad part of you, like your demons or whatever, right? And the movie, actually, Natalie Portman's supposed to play both characters, the white swan and the black swan. And she's such a perfectionist, everything is polished and everything. So she nails the white swan, but she can't tap into the black swan because she refuses refuses to accept that part of her because everybody's striving for this perfection and this polished image, kind of like you were talking about social media, you know, and always presenting this perfected, polished version of you. And I think that actually ultimately leads to unhappiness because we're trying to uh, deny part of us, trying to repress and deny and only present a tiny part of us and this other part that we're trying to smash and destroy within us kind of gets the best of us because you you can't do that. It's always in you Mm because it's part of human nature. And I think that's not a very, I mean, I want to use this word healthy, but because like sometimes the word healthy now becomes, you know, an insulting word to use nowadays. But I I just want to say it's like, to me, that's not, in my mind, it does not lead to happiness. I feel like it's people become more balanced once they conquered that part of themselves and can be like, okay, you know, I do have some you know, dark side to me. Okay. Sometimes I'm selfish or sometimes I get mad. It's okay. It's part of us. Sometimes we get jealous. You know, we, we don't have to be judged for it or shunned for it or, or shamed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to be an asshole. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, right. what I mean? like you, you, you have to own it and be like, okay, sorry. I've, I kind of lost my nerves or whatever, but just owning, owning that part and not being like, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And, and, pretending that we're always perfect and always on and always polished. And I feel like that's kind of my quest because I definitely grew up as a perfectionist. Like I suffered, like it's interesting because my my best friend, like I I didn't really like the movie and my best friend was like, I I thought I was weird that you don't like the movie because this character reminds me of you. And I'm like, what? I got so offended. (laughs) And then I saw his point. I was like, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. (laughs) Because your friends see you, you know, in a way that you don't see your best friend can point out things and I was like yeah maybe you know so I I definitely grew up with this this idea that everything has to be a plus um, 100% and 120% you know (laughs) ultimately it don't it didn't lead me to a good place you know it led me to this place of you know you have to be on a pedestal and you're always performing you're like a circus animal thing and I don't want to be circus animal I want to be human you know I want to have the right to fall and it's okay and be encouraged to get back up and my whole career and life and reputation not being completely destroyed because I 
fell, you know? And we learn more from the falls, quite honestly. Always shoot for doing your best, but there's a whole a whole world of difference between doing your absolute best and being perfect. I mean, those are worlds apart. Yeah. And people who are perfectionists like me, it's kind of like their heart is satisfied. Like you're never completely satisfied with your own work. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where everybody, it's going to be look perfect for everybody else. Like for my Dreamline video, like people told me, oh, it's perfect. It's already done. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, I still got to do this and still got to do that. And You know, so you can be really hard on yourself like that. But I think, you know, this black swan part of like just accepting the other part of us that we don't like, you know, and learning how to grow like like kind of like your best friend does for you they they see your flaws you know what i'm saying because they hang out with you and they still love you being like okay you're not perfect but you're still lovable despite this side of you or that side of you and and we need to learn to do that with with ourselves you know in a way that we still try to be nice you know but when yeah. we, you know when we do have uh when we do deal with our jealous part or angry part or whatever you know negative emotions that we are experiencing to still have some level of compassion and forgiveness. And that's going to actually help us move through it versus repressing it. Because I meet so many people who just repress those emotions and then they just get to a state of numbness. And that's not a human life to be numb. You know? No. And addressing that through the world of music, because you said that you were creating an experience in and of itself. I find so many people are able to connect with the music. It's like a gateway for them. You don't always have the words to express what's going on, but you'd be hard pressed to not find a song that's similar, at least a song to be like, OK, here's this. It's not just me. I'm not alone. I'm human, just like everybody else. Exactly. Yeah, that's have feeling what I get when I listen to Fiona Apple, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> like, she gives me that feeling of like, oh my God, here's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another saying I have along with the uh, music heals the soul from invisible wounds um, is music is the plant that makes life more breathable because that's what plants do. They recycle CO2 back into oxygen. We need a place to recycle our emotions. And like you said, the negative emotions, a lot of them recycle through music because that's an acceptable in this society. It's an acceptable way of, of recycling your emotions because I think in society, we're told not to get upset, not to scream, not to cry, not to do this. But with music, uh-huh. you finally have an outlet, like you said. Um, what did you say? There's a word you said. Out. I didn't say outlet. You said something else. I can't remember. The word. Gateway. Gateway. That's what you yeah. said. Yeah. yeah. So we're on the same page there. I, I, I feel I can express so many things, you know, that weigh me down through music. And that's the most beautiful thing. If I can through that, allow other people to let out those things as well and find some sort of catharsis. Well, it gives them that voice because what you were talking about earlier, so many people wanting a voice and wanting to be able to be heard, they don't know how to access their voice, at least for a little bit, able to be a voice for them until they can find their own. Oh, totally. And that's why I started with poetry. Like it was a way to organize my thoughts because when you're an emotional person like me, you know, like I'm feeling based person. That doesn't mean I don't have a brain, but (laughs) because a lot of people like that's the one thing about this culture, like we're associating irrational with feelings and rational with like intellect. And I don't think about it that way. Like that's wrong, you know, like just me either. It's ridiculous. Just because I I am an emotional person doesn't mean I I don't have also an intellectual part to me, but it's finding a way to connect the two. You know, growing up, like I had all these feelings, but I just didn't have the words, like you said, you know, and I I struggled, like I would just feel these things. I didn't know how how to deal with it, you know? And so poetry was a way to, for me to organize that, like the chaos emotions. And so finding finally this outlet with words and finding the right words to say something, it just... You have such a a joyful feeling of like, wow, I finally encapsulated that. Um, It's very freeing. You can have scars and not have baggage if you've gotten that freeing moment that you were just describing. It's like, you know what? These are variables. These are instances that have happened and they were in the past because, you know, I'm a complex human and now we're on something else as it were. So you've got that effect, but it it doesn't define you. To me, that doesn't scare me because I'm thinking, well, what happened to 
the idea of helping each other out. Like what happened to me? Why do we all have to just, you know, lock ourselves down because nobody wants to deal with our shit. And then just us ourselves just, you know, fix ourselves. And then, oh, you only want me when I'm already healed. You know, (laughs) like what happened to us being by each other's side through the tough and helping each other grow, you know, because that creates to me a stronger connection to each other. You know what I'm saying? Because that feels like you're unlovable until you're healed, you know? And I think that's a very, very negative thing to put out there. Nobody's lovable until they're healed. So what I'm looking for, you know, if somebody has baggage, like what I'm looking for is first awareness being like, okay, this happened to me and I'm still suffering from it is number one, awareness. And number two, a willingness, like I want to be a better, you know what I'm saying? And then Uh we can can work with that, you know what I'm saying? Because I've worked with many people. I've actually done like life coaching and that kind of stuff, you know, with people. I've I've navigated people, but, you know, as long as there is some, first their awareness, because you don't want to be the the bearer of bad news. You don't want to try to tell somebody who thinks they're perfect that they're actually, you know. What? Exactly. (laughs) I'm very careful about people just, uh, you know, putting like, you know, when, you know, online dating and be like, you know, looking for no drama. I'm like, well, what the hell is drama? I mean, I'm not, you know. <laughs> you know, and where you're meeting people right there, you know, and going right back to the music, you know, giving them that voice so that they can get to that moment of healing. It's uh, it's so easy to meet people after they're healed. But, yeah. you know, getting to them when they're in that process, it's invaluable to be able to to have that. Yes, I think that's my magical skills. If I had to sum it up, like I, <laughs> I, I meet people like, like, you know, I meet people where they need that, you know what I'm saying? And I'm there to accompany that healing process because I don't want to put out this idea that, you know, people are lovable only when they're healed. Those people like, you know, the people who post that, you know, no drama, blah, blah, blah. Thing is, is it's kind of almost a little bit of a hypocrite statement because they're probably struggling with a lot of things, but they're just pretending they're just living on this life on a superficial level of let's pretend everything is fantastic and great all the time. And that's that's not where real connection happens. Real connection happens in in moments of deep vulnerability, like you were saying, that conversation where you dig deep and you say things that could potentially make you look bad. And then you're welcomed, you know, with grace and compassion anyway. And then you feel like, oh, wow, this person is legit. I see so much of that happening and people bonding like that over music because people can be, I'm all for bright and sunny. I love being bright and sunny, but I also know that there are sad songs and there are love songs tragedy songs and they wouldn't exist if people weren't well-rounded oh, totally no I, I agree and music is a way to yeah. kind of like it's almost like a little bit of a, a, a tiny bit of a mask like you reveal a little bit because you like this artist but you don't you know people don't know why you like them you know and then you uh-huh. can start <laughs> connecting it to a personal story but you're like oh you like that artist too okay it's like uh, almost using somebody else's words you know and then, <laughs> and then on your own too you know but I agree I mean I, I definitely like artists that you know have like very very deep words, you know? Yeah, I am a sucker for good lyrics. There's a specific tone that you can get in a voice that you can just get such an emotional tone. A good voice will absolutely sell me on stuff sometimes. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, that's not a a classically trained voice or that note cracked. And I'm like, dude, did you hear it, though? You could hear their soul. For sure. You know, that emotion, like being real, you know what I'm saying? Um, You Mm -hmm. you know experience something like when even when they smile is that a real smile or a fake smile you know or is that a real laugh we just we really want real especially I think even nowadays is more important with this online world where everything is disconnected like that you know what I'm saying we want real mm-hmm. you know and that's what the shows are being able to see somebody play live it's true people say well why would you go see somebody live you can already hear their best performance online yeah but it doesn't replace seeing them perform it for you, you know, the live gig is a whole, you know, it's a it's a group experience and it's got that sense of immediacy that you can enjoy the art online. But the live gives you that connection. Yeah, like it's not it's not going to feel the same to you if I sing the same song staring into your eyes. Mm-hmm. You want to make people feel special. You want to make people feel like they came to have that connection. So that's really what I want to create, you know, in my shows is the connection, you know, and not be so fussy about perfect notes and perfect this, perfect pitch or whatever. <laughs> exactly. That's not really what we're trying to do. We're trying to try to connect. We're trying to feel on, you know, what I'm saying on a whole 
new level that most people don't get to do because in their everyday jobs, they got to just be second level. Hello, how are you? How can I help you today? You know, <laughs> how you you know it, it's all you do all day. You know, how you how are you doing? Great. Fantastic. How are you doing? Great. I mean, you don't want to say, how are you doing? Oh, I feel like shit today. Like, you know, you don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like, oh, man, bummer. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want to bring anybody's mood down. Everything has to be like, you know, peppy and everything. And I love that, too. You know, I mean, obviously, I don't want to be in a world where everybody is depressed all the time, you know, but sometimes you just want to be real, you know, as an artist, I feel like I that's my luxury, you know, I mean, it's I know it's kind of hard financially to, to make it, but at least I have the luxury of being real with people. And I have the luxury of hugging them and, you know, without being sued for sexual harassment and that sort of stuff, like just being able to be me is like, wow, like I pursue this because I just felt like I would never be happy in any other thing. I I do just putting on this mask that's just not me like I feel so strange at the end of the day you know yeah you'd never feel like yourself especially with the one-way ticket I just I love that image of that I'm gonna do this and here I go because there was no it wasn't a round trip it wasn't an open-ended round trip it was here's my two suitcases and bang here I am a leap of faith <laughs> exactly Exactly. Now, do you have any advice for like some of the, the newer artists that are coming in? And, you know, I'm seeing so many, especially teenagers, branching out into this, especially with lockdown. How would you like tell them to proceed or tips or what to watch out for? Or, you know, the whole artist supporting artists feel, you know, what would you say to them? Yeah, when you're starting out, I mean, it takes a while to actually figure out because like, from the outside, you know, it, it looks like one thing, but then when you're the inside, you realize there's so many avenues, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, for me, you know, growing up, I'm like, I want to be an artist, you know, and then I want to be, you know, I'm playing music people. And then I come here and be like, okay, well, are you going to be a, a wedding gig musician? Are you going to be a hired uh, studio performer to play demos? Are you going to be an artist? Are you going to be doing uh, composing for TV and film? Like, it's just like, you know, are you going to be a producer? Are you going to be a songwriter? Are you going to be a singer? Are you going to be all, you know, saying there's just like so many little subdivisions in that field, you know what I'm saying? So it takes a while to actually realize what it is that I want. Oftentimes told, you know, why don't you do wedding gigs? I mean, it's such a lucrative field, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, because I don't want to spend the time that I have on this earth to learn 400 songs, you know, <laughs> other people's songs. I want to write my own. So every mm -hmm. time that I have, like, when people put in requests, can you play this song? Can you play this song? I'm like, I'm not a jukebox. I'm sorry, people, you know? I mean, I could, but do I want to? That's the number one thing. You know what I'm saying? Just because it brings in money doesn't mean that that's what you want, you're going to do or want to do, you know? And so I don't want to be a copy of somebody else. I want to be me and create my own world. And so I have to make sure that I set enough time aside in my life to make sure that I hone my craft uh, as a songwriter. And so that's one thing is, first of all, don't think it's all going to like, you know, it's going to take you a while to kind of find out what it is that you want to do unless you already know. You know, sometimes you launch into it and you you find out along the way, you know, oh, I actually just I don't want to be on stage. I just want to play guitar in a studio and record. I don't want to tour. Some people they do. If you don't have a family, it's kind of hard to be touring for three months out of the year, you know, have you have children and mm -hmm. that kind of so just uh allowing yourself to grow that way but my my number one advice actually is start networking as soon as possible because that would be one advice I would tell myself people always wait to be ready oh I don't have a website yet I don't have a business card yet I don't have anything out yet I don't have this yet I you know I, I want to make sure that I'm ready I'm like well you're never going to feel ready for now but the thing is is that networking it takes a, a while to connect like just because you approach a person doesn't mean they're immediately going to want to hear your music like building those connections and staying in touch and then after you, you interacted for a while then you can maybe ask for a favor or something Thing, you know, but networking, it takes time. It takes time to build solid network and to be able to send an email to somebody for them to open it. And that feel like I should have started earlier. I would say even if you don't have a website, even if you don't have any recorded music, start connecting with people because without a network or connections, like, you know, <laughs> we're not all like in a bubble. You know what I'm saying? We're not isolated. Number two, after you, you like you network with industry people, but don't forget to connect with the people who actually are going to like find your, your fans. A lot of musicians in Nashville they come here and then just hang out in all these artist circles. Like so artists only hang out with artists and producers and all these people, but they never take the time to talk to 
other people on Twitter that are not in that field. Like they're always, you know, running after this this networking contact. And me, I'm like, no, I want to be, I want to have a one-on-one connection with my fans. Dang, I want to talk to people who are not in music, you know, who actually consume music, you know. Who are right, actually- yeah. Because the thing is that when you come to a city like Nashville, you can fall into that pitfall. Like you, you trying to get people to your show, but every other person you meet here is in the music industry. So what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to walk up to an artist friend and say, hey, can you come to my gig? And they'd be like, okay, sure. But can you come to my gig? So imagine, you know, you can't do that with all this. I want my show to be a favor that somebody's doing me to come to my show. Like they're supposed to get something out of it. True fan, they don't come to my show because they hope that I'm going to do something for them. Like what I am actually doing on stage is me doing something for them. Does that make sense? So finding the people who actually find value in your music, you know, don't just focus on the network, but focus on finding the people who actually are going to totally, totally dig your music. Yeah. Connect with the people that you're, they're making the music for. Everything comes down to putting your heart and soul into something and having the joy, honestly, of being able to talk to the people that you're making it for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, that's because I'm, like I told you, the world I'm trying to create is a world of uh, more connection where we listen to each other. So I would be a total hypocrite, try to push that message and then ignore the people messaging me, you know, <laughs> be like, oh, no, exactly. I don't no, you talk to each other, but don't talk to me, you know? Like, I don't, don't want to be like, you know, I mean, obviously at some point, you know, if I grow to a point where I can't keep up with all the messages, that's one thing, you know, and it can get overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. Like when I was touring and everything, it would get really overwhelming to respond to everybody. But I try as much as I can because I know the thrill. I mean, imagine if I wrote, you know, a message to Fiona Apple and she responded, I'd be like, oh, my God, Fiona Apple just talked to me. <laughs> you print it out and put it up on your board. <laughs> yeah. I really try to, I mean, that's really one thing I try to do is like really read every single comment and and try to respond to as many things as I can, because that's that one-on-one thing. Like, you know, like that's to me is is invaluable, you know? Yeah. Well, it's the reason that so many of us do what we do just to have that connection with people. Like right now with this interview, like I'm enjoying hearing your voice. I'm enjoying hearing, you know, you laugh and you enjoy me laugh. Like this is really cool, you know, and it's a different level than just tweeting to each other. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I tell people I'm so much better live and in person because me tweeting, trying to put my thought into the size of a tweet. (laughs) No. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. I'm thinking, what am I want to text the world? <laughs> yeah, one of my buddies was like, well, just do a string of tweets. And I was just like, okay, with my accent, we we are not built for truncated thoughts here. <laughs> Especially an overthinker like me, you know, and especially translating from different languages. Like, you know, you have to understand that I grew up in a French speaking country, you know, so coming here and learning a whole different culture and you know how to say and not to say. I'm still learning some slang words here and there, you know, like, you know, oh, what does this mean? Like I Urban Dictionary is my friend. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, and it says a lot, especially when someone can be not only emotional, but witty. Just, you know, the actual definition of witty in a second language. I mean, it's absolutely wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole level. I think, you know, you really, for me, my definition of mastering language is if you can actually be funny in a different language. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. Where the restrooms are is one thing, you know, like, but making a Japanese person laugh, you know, (laughs) that's a whole new level of that requires not only mastering the language, but also understanding what is funny in that culture. Because things that are funny in one culture are not funny in a different culture. And also the punchline, the way it's structured, like a a punchline, like it's because the order of the words, like the punchline is like thing that comes at the end. But in a different language, words being in different order, it might not come as across as a punchline because the words are in different order and you already said it before, you know? All of that stuff. Yeah, it's very complicated. But just I wanted to quickly say about my website, like, you know, one thing that I think is really, I don't know if you noticed that, but I was going to tell you like some of the intentionality that I put into it, if you're curious, because I actually built it myself. I've like learned web design online. (laughs) And I think like, I just wanted to make it so personal and and intimate, like you're you're going into a world where you can truly be yourself. Like it's like a welcoming world, like, okay, you know, you just leave all the stress out, like no, no pretending, whatever, like, you know, I think in the where I put like take your shoes off, you know, and you're at home type thing. Mm-hmm. And so what I did is I scanned like a page of a- the actual book that I write songs in, like my notepad. 
And that's what I put as like a, a background on all those like lyric pages. It's like the, my actual page, you know, from my lyrics. Yeah. So there's that that I put in. And then I also put in like, so it kind of just feels like I'm just writing in my journal, you know, which is what I do, right? I have like six notepads full of thoughts you know? <laughs> <laughs> that I'm still going through. Like, you know, sometimes I write a song and nobody's heard it and they're like, oh, when did you write that? I'm like 2012, like, you know? And so I, I wanted to put like some more like um, handwritten stuff. Like sometimes I like to post things that are just handwritten versus because like somebody's handwriting, like I think it's becoming a lost art to see that, you know, everybody types things and everything is ni- nicely typeset. And and sometimes just, you know, like how does it make you feel when you get a CD and you see somebody's handwriting on it? Oh, yes. To decipher what they wrote, but just the fact that they wrote it from their own hand, you know. So I feel like just going back to these things that makes it more connected, the handwriting and, you know, having an inside look into your own little journal and your own little world and your own little thoughts as they come. And then I have also a graffiti wall. I don't know if you saw that where you can leave a graffiti. So instead of having like a testimonial page or whatever, like you actually, I I made it so it it displays like a a tag, like a graffiti on an actual wall. So it's like people can like basically draw on my website, I guess. Um, like invitation for self-expression, because that's another one of my big values is like, you know, how I said that I want people to listen to each other more and everything. And that's really fostering, allowing people to express. So that's really one of my dreams, too, is to is to create a world where people feel free to express and let go and and just be, you know, <laughs> You all have got to check out her website. It's one, you've got to check out the music, but the website itself is so fun and interesting just to to witness it. Well, thank you. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> Thank you for the plug for my website. But yeah, and like you said, you can sign up at the top of the website and say, um, I'll send you one of my songs. I think it's Dreamland. But uh, also, if you sign up, I send notifications about my uh, online shows and upcoming shows and updates. So if you want to get my invitations to my concerts straight into your inbox. And then sometimes, you know, I I send little bits and pieces of uh, exclusive things to my uh, people that are my my, uh, newsletter. So. Oh, and that is so helpful, too. There is there's so much new music coming out. And for somebody like me who's trying to find as much of it as possible, there are days I absolutely love it. And this is definitely not a gripe, but there are days that it's almost overwhelming because there's there's so much new. And I find myself and I've got lists and lists. And it's just like you're worried that you're going to miss somebody. And then when you have to just kind of accept, you know what, it's invaluable, the people that make lists of new things, because otherwise there's so many people that are producing so many wonderful things. And if we don't talk to each other about the new music that's out, it's going to be lost. And I mean, that's just a horrible thought. Right. Well, I mean, it's a way to curate, you know, what you really want to focus on. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm trying to release more music, you know, because like I, I took a, a few years to focus on the touring and, and playing live. Mm. For me, it's very hard. Like I get so sucked into doing one thing, like focusing on, I mean, I booked all my shows and toured across the country. I played in like you know, 20 states, myself everywhere. And, you know, the promotion, like doing all of that, creating the flyers, the posters and the bands to play with and reaching out to all the venues and all that stuff like it just it's months and months of works in advance you know like that so you know I had little time to like for me when I'm absorbed like for me like when somebody's waiting for an answer or somebody's talking to me like to me like that becomes my priority and I can't even go to a headspace where I can create thing because for me my headspace I'm just going oh somebody's waiting for an answer somebody's waiting you know what I'm saying <laughs> it's like this pressure you know so I was just creating that safe space where I can go back into because to me the process of creation is such an it's introspection having that space where you can go deep inside you and 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 push everything aside so yeah so now I'm back into into that and and that's like one of my fears that I'm conquering is the fear of recording (laughs) like you know just in front of a microphone I'm like oh shit (laughs) but um but yeah, I think it's, it's it's through my journey of learning about myself. Like, I think that's how I can help people because, you know, I want to inspire people not in a way that, you know, when 
people say, oh, you're so talented, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is hard work, people. I was not born being able to do all this. Like, first of all, I really crap myself when I was first on stage, you know, saying I could barely sing in front of a person, you know, oh, you're a natural. I'm like, yeah, I put myself through hell. I, I mean, I was, I had such anxiety. I had such stage fright that my mind would go completely blank. I don't know if you've ever experienced that April when you're like in front of people and they ask you to, you know, they're like, they ask you a question and you don't even know what you're doing there anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I have to gear myself up when it, whenever I've been on stage, I remind myself, okay, physically, excitement and fear are exactly the same thing. So I'm actually just on a roller coaster and I'm just really excited, but I think I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But talking yourself through those emotions, you know what I'm saying? Because most mm-hmm. people don't themselves through that, you know? And I was like, well, there's no way, way around it. If I want to give to people what I want to give them, I have to conquer myself first, you know? Exactly. Oh, that's, that's, I feel like that's how I can help people. Like, I think my story is not, you know, because like you read these people, like these bios where somebody's like, oh, as soon as they were five-year-old, they performed at their family church. And then as soon as they were on stage, they knew that's exactly where they wanted to be. And everything was fantastic. And I'm like, that's totally not my story. (laughs) You know, saying, and so like people realizing that you can become what you want, even if you have all these hurdles along the way, that things don't just align magic and that you push yourself through things that you never thought you could do. Or, you know, that to me is more inspiring than somebody who's magically born with a talent, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you put the work in. You, I mean, it all goes right back to being human. It's that whole, you learn from the mistakes and you put the, and the blood and the sweat in and you earn it. Being open to constructive feedback too, you know? Yes. Because I mean, just being able to realize, okay, if I want to get to where I want to go, I need to, you know, actually listen to <laughs> to, to the things that need to be uh, adjusted along the way without falling into self-hatred. You know what I'm saying? Because that's right. so easy when you receive criticism to be like, oh, my God, somebody said that was not good. You know, I, I must be, you know, the worst person on the planet or something. But I tell people, like, if you had sat in front of a piano and forced your fingers to do what you're asking them to do for as many hours as I have, you would play better than me. I swear to God, like 90% of the people would play better than me piano if they had sat as many hours, you know. So putting in the hours, um, you know, or, or, or going and performing and all that stuff is, is not to be uh, neglected, you know. Well, Well, as much as I hate to, it, our time is just about done. You all go and check her out. We will have everything up on the page. And Arinka, would you care to tell everybody bye, at least until we can get you back out here again? Absolutely. Well, April, it was such a pleasure uh, to speak with you. I I really (laughs) enjoy that. Maybe we can do a a face-to-face (laughs) post-COVID sometime. But yeah, thank you very much for everybody for tuning in. And this is Irinka. And um, I hope that I can, maybe the people who are listening, maybe some day along this uh, life journey, I'll get to see your face at one of my shows in the future. So that'd be great. That would be absolutely wonderful. And y'all, she is only in Nashville. I mean, and she tours, she tours, but uh, Nashville's only about uh, six or seven hours from here. So uh, check her out and we will see you next week. Y'all have a good night.